Welcome to Fully Puffed, a Gilmore Girls podcast. I'm Grace, and I'm here with my co-host, Catherine. Hey! Ebo, our third host, is unfortunately traveling this week, so while we miss her very much, we are keeping her in our hearts, and she will be back with us for next week's episode. But today, we're going to talk about an ep that both Catherine and I really love, and that I think is a bit of a fan favorite. It's called Rory's Birthday Parties, and it is about Rory's birthday. So we're going to start as we've been doing over the past couple weeks with an episode summary. So as I said, it's Rory's birthday and she is about to turn 16. After a pretty funny cold open, which we will talk a little bit more about later during our episode discussion, Lorelai asks Emily if they can have this coming week's Friday night dinner off because that's Rory's actual birthday. Of course, Emily doesn't want that to happen and she doesn't let it happen. She decides to hold a party for Rory on that coming Friday. You would think this would bother Lorelai a lot, but it really doesn't because she's convinced that Emily is reaching out to her and trying to understand her. Her reasoning is that Emily served pudding for dessert, which Emily hates, but Lorelai and Rory love, which means that she's actually listening to Lorelai. It seems like Lorelai is right about this when Emily calls her and asks her to come shopping and help her find Rory a birthday gift. Rory, on the other hand, is about to have her first experience with how Emily can be not so great because when she gets to Chilton, she finds out that Emily has invited everybody in her grade to her party. Rory is understandably really upset because she isn't friends with any of these people, but she also doesn't tell Lorelai about this because she doesn't want to ruin the bonding thing that Emily and Lorelai have going on, especially when Lorelai comes back and tells her that she had a great time on the present shopping trip. On Rory's actual birthday, she and Lorelai have a really, really cute and iconic moment when Lorelai wakes her up to wish her a happy birthday right when she was born. Soon though, it's time for the party at Emily's and Rory is decidedly not excited. She's humiliated, actually, when she hears her classmates call this an obligation party and annoyed when Tristan harasses her. So when Emily tries to get her to make a speech to her guests, Rory has a minor flip out and tells Emily that this isn't her party. She then hides out in Lorelai's room and Lorelai comes to find her. And they have a moment when you can tell that Rory is really understanding what it was like to grow up in this house with Emily as your mom. When Emily comes to get them, Rory tries to apologize and invites Emily and Richard to her star's hollow birthday party tomorrow night. Emily blows her off and she and Lorelai have a fight in which Lorelai tells her mother that she doesn't know her at all. And Emily tells her that she does. Next, we go to the party in Star's Hollow and it's really fun and totally Rory and Lorelai. All of the Star's Hollow townies are there and everyone's having a great time. Then the doorbell rings and it's Emily and Richard. This is when we learn that they've never been to Lorelai and Rory's house before. They come in and look around and Rory gives Richard a Cosmo magazine to read while Emily listens to all the stories the townspeople are telling about Rory when she was a little girl. Emily wanders off upstairs and starts looking around Lorelai's bedroom and Lorelai follows her up. 
When Emily sees a picture of Lorelai in a cast and asks what happened, Lorelai says she broke her leg a few years ago. And when Emily asks why she didn't know that, Lorelai says it was no big deal and she would have told Emily if she were actually sick. Emily then goes downstairs and tells Richard it's time to go home. And in the car, she tells him, she's right. I don't know my daughter at all. You think this is where the episode is going to end. But we see that after the party's over, Dean's standing outside the house waiting to give Rory a birthday gift. It's a very ugly leather bracelet, but he made it himself. So apparently it's sweet. <laughs> Lorelai sees this from the window and realizes the gasp. Much like Emily, she doesn't know her daughter as well as she thought she did. And that's where the episode ends. So do you want to talk a little bit, Catherine, about who the director was for this and who wrote the episode? Yeah, so much like last week, there's not too much to say. The director here is Sarah Pia Anderson, who apparently is, so she's British, first of all. I feel like this is our first English director. All the other directors have been American television and this is what was interesting to me theater director so she's worked for the royal shakespeare company so in the 90s she did a bunch of like american sitcoms veronica mars like directed uh, veronica mars gray's anatomy but for the most part it seems like she's a theater director and her wikipedia states that she is a professor in the cinema and techno culture studies program at uc davis but then when I went to her website, there's no mention of that. Oh, so I don't know if Wikipedia is confused or what that's about. But I thought it was interesting because even though she was directed, it's like Veronica Mars, Grey's Anatomy, like the L word. Um, but like, even though she has some sort of like, not like questionable credits, but you know, not like super elevated credits, but that she's mostly like a Shakespearean theater director this episode is just so good you know and so I thought that was interesting and then it was written by our beloved Amy Sherman Palladino and now this is the first one since the pilot that she's written right I think it is yeah and for those of you guys who don't know or who are just coming to the pod or Gilmore Girls Amy Sherman Palladino is the creator of the show yeah you know one, one of the reasons I wanted to highlight the writers is because it's pretty standard for most television shows to have a writer's room, to have a lot of collaboration, to have, you know, a different writer and a different director for every single episode. And Gilmore Girls is unique in that the Sherman Palladinos, <laughs> Amy and Daniel, had a lot of creative control with regard to the directing and the writing. So it's interesting to me when we have different writers and directors step in. But then also, I think, especially in the season one, like, it's interesting when we get that clear vision. Yes. You know? And I think I'm this like, is an episode that you definitely see her clear vision yeah. in. Yeah, yeah, Like, the characterization is just right. The You get so much good Richard and Emily stuff, so much good intergenerational family trauma and, yeah. and drama, too. It just really feels like classic Gilmore Girls. And I think you can, you can feel that clear mark of ASP on the episode. Yes. As you mentioned, this is one of your all-time favorite episodes. It's one of mine, too. This is such a classic Gilmore Girls episode, and it has, it has everything. It has a little bit of everything. It really does. And it has the townspeople and the Little Stars Hollow, but also so much Richard and Emily stuff, as we said. And I think like, not only do I like it because I have a nostalgic attachment to it, which I do, but like, it's also a very good episode of television. 
And I'm excited to talk about an episode that we both like feel strongly emotionally about, like that we just like, but also that's that I think does a really great job storytelling wise. Yeah. So should we get into the the actual meat of the episode itself? Yeah, I just want to get into it. I love okay. it. <laughs> talk about this, guys, in case you can't tell. We are excited to talk about Rory's birthday parties, which is kind of a lame title for a really good episode, by the way. Oh, but I think I mentioned to you, I don't think I said it on the pod, but so Cinnamon's Wake is an allusion to Finnegan's Wake. And then my husband suggested that Rory's birthday parties might be a reference to the Velvet Underground song, All Tomorrow's Parties. I think it definitely could be because all of the other episodes in the first season seem to have seem to be a reference to something. Yeah. Yeah. So let's say let's say that that is what it it's, is. It's, it's, <laughs> it's good. So the first scene is another cold open Friday night dinner classic, which I feel like we got one last episode too with the Nazi stuff. <laughs> and we have another great one where basically Emily and Richard ask Lorelai to and Rory to go around and put post-it notes <laughs> on the things that they want to be left in the Gilmore's will. <laughs> Kevin, you said to me earlier before we did the pod, you were like, I don't think it's that weird. <laughs> I okay. It is, it is weird. But also, like, I don't know. You gotta have a will. What do you have that much money? <laughs> I think it's funny because of the post-it notes element. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. do Richard and Emily write stuff on post-it notes otherwise? No. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a weird thing to ask, especially at the dinner table. <laughs> There's this great moment when Rory compliments the pudding coming out in a crystal bowl, and Emily goes, do you like it? And she nods, and she goes, put a post-it on it. And then immediately it segues into the theme song. Maybe that should be the title for this week's episode. I think that's a really good title. Do you like it? Put a post-it on it. Yeah. So it's just fantastic. It's It feels to me like a really classic Richard and Emily moment. We get many more of these zany moments of them as the series continues. And this feels like one of those times where we're getting the characterization that Richard and Emily will end up having throughout the series. <laughs> I am curious though I don't know we can talk about this later when we talk about how Lorelai talks about it to Suki but I'm kind of with Emily though I think pudding is like a weird dessert I don't like pudding either so she like, loves pudding yeah so just like we said in the summary like Lorelai is convinced that because Emily serves pudding for dessert at this dinner that means that she's reaching out because L Rory and Lorelai really like pudding I am 100% with you, Catherine, and I am 100% with you, Emily. Pudding is gross. Pudding is hospital food. It is. Or like cafeteria food. But I've always wondered if, and we, we can talk about this later, because there's a moment with Emily where she kind of like looks at Lorelai weird when Lorelai brings yeah. up the pudding. What I'm wondering is if this is like some sort of fancy custard. Well, Lorelai does say in that scene, in the, in the opening scene, she's like, it's pudding and Emily's like yes and Lorelai's like I you don't like pudding and Emily's like yeah but you do which I think is why Lorelai takes that as a sign yeah no you're right yeah but I think you're right you're on the right track because I've always wondered if this was a deliberate reaching out or if it really was sort of all in Lorelai's head yeah because I think that Emily really is reaching out in other parts of the episode like when she asks Lorelai to go shopping with her that's definitely reaching out 
Emily seems confused by the pudding thing when it's when Lorelai references it in the shopping mall scene. She's like, Lorelai's like, oh, you know, pudding. Emily's like, why do you keep mentioning pudding? <laughs> and you would think if it were like a deliberate move, she would have more awareness of why it meant something to Lorelai. Yeah, I just have this entire fictional narrative in my head that like the chef was like, I'm gonna make like petit pot or like <laughs> petit pot de chocolat or uh, like some sort of custard. And Emily's like, oh, all right. And then when it comes out, like Lorelai says it's pudding, but it's like actually something fancy. I don't know, maybe she was reaching out. And we have a segment in the show where you just say things in French and it sounds nice. <laughs> Like I would enjoy a segment that just have Catherine read you some words in French. And I'm like, oh, I would listen. What? <laughs> it's ASMR, but not creepy. But not creepy. I, we're both, we have to ask Ebo if she is. I'm almost certain she's not an ASMR person, but we're not ASMR people. No. Yeah, I don't, I don't think she is either. I think we talked about it before we started recording. <laughs> oh, did we talk? I was, I know you and I had talked about it. I didn't know if she was there or not, but yeah, we're strongly in the anti-ASMR camp. We're not going to make fun of something other people like. All of our listeners out there who are ASMR heads, sorry about it. We're not judging you. We just don't personally like it. If there's some unintentional ASMR, that's fine. <laughs> right. That's different. Then you're like, oh, that's something I'm enjoying listening to. Not like, oh, this is done for a purpose that may or may not be a little creepy. Yeah. But yeah, so we're still at the Gilmore house for a while and Lorelai tries her best to get, you know, the Star's Hollow birthday party on Friday night. It doesn't work. We all know it's not going to work. <laughs> um, but Lorelai knows it's not going to work. So what it ends up being is that Rory's going to have two parties. She's going to, as the title says, she's going to have one at Richard and Emily's on Friday night, her actual birthday, and then one in Star's Hollow on Saturday night. I don't think Lorelai is aware that this party is going to be as much of a production, or at least I wouldn't be. No, because Emily like asks, is there anything special you want for dinner? Yeah. And so I think the assumption is it's just going to be a Friday night dinner with like a birthday cake. That's what I would assume too. Not something with a complete, you know, catering staff. Yeah. And Lorelai doesn't seem surprised when they actually show up. And it's this kind of big thing. So I'm wondering if there was some communication of that we didn't see, but I don't know. Yeah. And actually part of me wonders if it's like a passive aggressive move on Emily's part because they tried to get out of it. <laughs> She's like, oh, we're really going to do it. Yeah. But that doesn't make any sense because she had to get those invitations. We'll talk about the invitations. Catherine zoomed in on them. And I think that's <laughs> the kind of close reading we need in the podcast. They're bad. <laughs> Oh man. So some props person had fun making those. Yeah. But we'll talk about them in a sec. Just, I wanted to talk about the scene that comes directly after, which is in the Independence Inn and Lorelai says to Suki, I think my mom is reaching out. She's still going on about the pudding. Lorelai goes on about the pudding, I would say a little too much in this episode. Yeah. If I have one criticism, it's that I can really listen to Lauren Graham say and do anything, but like, it was stretching it with the word pudding for me. <laughs> I think she was having fun saying it, but like it's in the episode a lot. Yeah, but I mean, if it's in her mind, it's the first time that her mom has ever, ever really demonstrated that she's paid attention enough to care. And it's kind of sad that she's like grasping at straws to find like evidence that her mom actually like listens to her and is trying to to do something to put her at ease instead of just 
like being a rampaging narcissist. In another episode, she's like, I just wish my mother would like hear me, really hear me at some point in my life. And I think that that's really all she wants. Lorelai has built this life for herself and done well by all standards. And she comes home and her mom still treats her like she's 10 years old and still just really doesn't respect any of her expertise or any of her opinions. And I think that's really all she wants is just acknowledgement that like Lorelai does things right sometimes. And maybe that's why Lorelai is so self-righteous in her own life a lot of the time, because she has never gotten that acknowledgement from her parents that she does stuff correctly. Yeah. I think that's, to me, a compelling reading of her behavior. But it is heartbreaking to hear her get so excited about just this one small gesture. Yeah. And also to know, as people who have watched the episode, that this is all going to come crashing down very quickly. Yeah, all these season one interactions where Emily starts to change or that like the ice starts to thaw are never last long. (laughs) They really don't. And that's the reward of the show as it goes on. Like as the later seasons happen, things do change in their dynamic, but we're getting so much stuff set up here that you kind of know that it's not going to be a permanent change. It just wouldn't make sense narratively. Yeah. Do you want to talk about Jackson and his cross-pollination experiment? (laughs) Yeah. Tell the, tell the listeners about it. Yeah, so he comes in in like overalls and a tie-dye shirt and like a bandana and he's freaking out and I forget who who it is, if it's Lorelai or Suki says like, have you had a a reaction to your fertilizer fumes again? I think it's Lorelai just because it sounds like something Lorelai would say. Yeah, but I love the implication that this has happened before. It's definitely gone loopy because of some sort of farm product in his past. It sounds like he's doing some really experimental stuff out there on the farm. Yes, he has crossed a raspberry with a kumquat. A rasquat. Uh, a rasquat. <laughs> Would you try it? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Would you? Yeah, it sounds good. I've never had a kumquat, but I love raspberries. Me too. I am a little freaked out by like genetically modified produce, but when I was in high school, I don't know why, it was like one of my friends got really excited about something called, I don't know if it was a grapple or a grapel. I remember those. It was like a huge deal, like a grape crossed with an apple. That sounds good. I would eat it. I like both those things. It was good. And we like went off on a quest to find them and we finally did and we ate them. They were really good. Have you ever had cotton candy grapes? They're horrible, but they make them now. And back when the pandemic was, you know, in the early stages and we were all doing, or a lot of us were doing, you know, at home shopping, like when they would deliver things to you, they would always bring me cotton candy grapes instead of like green or red grapes. And they were so bad that I just gave up on ordering grapes. I was like, it's not going to happen for me. I've seen them. Do they taste like cotton candy? They taste like the worst cotton candy you've ever had in your life. Yeah. (laughs) They still have the grape texture, which is a very unpleasant combination of like bad cotton candy and grape. I don't know who thought they were a good idea. I can see in theory why they would be. But the second they produced that, you know, reaction, I I would, I don't understand why they kept making them. That's weird. Yeah, I've seen them a lot at the grocery store. And yeah, I've never, I've never felt the need. They're not cotton candy and grape. They're not good, Catherine, but the the rasquat actually sounds delicious. And I have always assumed Jackson is a very good grower. 
So yeah. I would definitely want to try one. And he comes to the, he comes to the party. Does he come to the party? Oh man, I didn't, I didn't look for him. Mm-mm. He might be there. We both noticed, we were talking about this before the episode, that after they've tried the Razquat, uh, Michelle comes in and Lorelai tells him about Rory's birthday party. And she's like, start thinking of excuses. He's like, oh, I was, I'm going to be out of town. And she's like, oh, you used that one last year. And I always assumed that he didn't come. But this, this watch, I saw him in the corner at the actual party. <laughs> and he's just sitting there in a chair looking so deeply uncomfortable. He has like a party hat on. But he's sulking in the corner. Just picture that, like exactly what you think it looks like, like Michelle in a chair with a party hat on that kind of looks like it dunces cap a little bit, sulking. It's exactly how you could picture it in your mind. Yes, like a dunces cap. That's perfect. He is not living his best life right there at all. No. My assumption before was that, of course, Michelle would never come to Marie's birthday party. And like I didn't even assume he was actually invited I thought it was just a bit and then this is the first time ever and I've watched this episode a lot me too how did we both just realize this I must have been looking away every single time I watched the episode at that exact moment well and he it's not prominent he's walked away he is it's like a where's Waldo situation they're not like they're not playing it for the gag like oh haha there's Michelle like you really have to be hunting at it and I appreciate that Amy Sherman Palladino and or the director really made sure that the Michelle was like an easter egg in that shot yes now that you mentioned I want to go back and see if Jackson's there oh yeah viewers if you're inspired to watch the episode after this let us know if Jackson's there we're both gonna rewatch it many times probably and see I don't know if he's close enough to them yet to come, but I think Lorelai would like him to come. Yeah. We'll talk to you about the fact that like Luke has to be invited to this in a few minutes that like Luke doesn't think he's automatically invited to the party. And he's like, oh, Lorelai, you don't have to invite me. Like what? Yeah, I have some thoughts about that. I think there is a potentially a plausible explanation. Oh, okay. I'm excited. We'll, we'll wait. So before that happens, before we get the potentially continuity okay Luke moment with the birthday party, Emily calls Lorelai and she says, hey, I need help buying Rory a present. And I want to have you come along with me on the shopping trip because I want to get her something that she actually likes. And I trust you to be able to pick it out for her. And I think that's really meaningful to Lorelai, even more than the the much lauded pudding. Yeah, you you actually pulled out the line, um, I thought you might let me into your secret club just this one time and help me buy her something for her birthday. And I love that line. It's such a good line because that is number one, how Lorelai thinks about it. And I love hearing Emily describe it in that language. And number two, that's that's all that Lorelai has wanted. Not just Emily like try to intrude upon their lives, but to try to get involved with it with like the genuine intent to like make Rory happy and make Lorelai happy. Yeah. So there's so much hope in this scene and in this episode. It's so encouraging. And then it becomes so heartbreaking very quickly in this next scene when we splash to Rory at Chilton and Tristan comes up to her and says, you know, happy birthday. And she's like, how the heck do you know it's going to be my birthday? And he says, I got an invitation to your birthday party. And so did everyone else in the school. Every single person in their grade was invited to this birthday party. I would have lost my mind. Can you imagine this happening to you? No. 
It's so bad. It's like beyond the pale bad. So this is the invitation that went around to the entire class. On the morning of October 8th, Oh, the actual date of Rory's birthday. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on, the, on the morning of October 8th at 4.03 in the morning, and then in really big font, Emily and Richard Gilmore, and then smaller font, were blessed with a perfect baby granddaughter. Oh, and then in large font again, Lorelai Lee. Then please join us this Friday to celebrate this joyous occasion, 7 o'clock, black tie optional oh no i've never like actually read the invitation i assumed it was just like hey it's a birthday i assumed that no one had they hadn't actually written anything on that like i should have known better though they made those they made those production interns like hand stencil those stars hollow high posters back in the first episode they made somebody type this up that's a bad invitation First of all, yeah, Richard and Emily Gilmore is like in big font. Lorelai herself not mentioned once. They use Lorelai Lee, names that Rory never goes by. That's a good point, right? It's You would be like, who's the Lorelai? And then, yeah, their perfect baby granddaughter. Oh, imagine your high school classmates getting that. Oh, man. And like, everything is bad about it. It's so narcissistic it's so grandiose so over the top and then black tie optional there's the very bottom <laughs> i love to get that on my high school birthday party invitations we should keep a running list of everything that rory has gone through up to the episode we're on so she has switched to a new school that's much harder she has reconnected with her grandparents her mom has started dating her teacher potentially she's doubting her own academic abilities she's being teased by her fellow classmates and now Oh, and she may have to navigate like a romantic relationship for the first time in her life. And now her grandparents, realistically, Emily, have sent out an invitation to the entire class, which makes it look like she needs her grandparents to invite people and that she's kind of delusional about the fact that they're all friends. Yeah, but I have a question. (laughs) You know, I think that's the story. But part of me wonders, so Louise says another obligation party. I wonder, like, this is, maybe this is somewhat normal in that circle. I think that's a compelling question. Because, like, they don't not go. Yeah, and then it's clearly Richard's business associates. Mm -hmm. So what I'm wondering is if this looks so inappropriate to Rory and Lorelai, but, like, well, I guess Lorelai would have known if something like that was more normal. That's a good point, but I think she kind of would have been outraged anyway. But she's not even super outraged in the room when yeah. she's talking to Rory about it. So, which I think is kind of because she doesn't want to like freak Rory out more. But maybe, I mean, the, the teenagers seem very comfortable at this party with a bunch of older people. So I'm wondering if this, like you said, this is something they're used to doing. It's like in later seasons, you're always like, why is Logan like fine at all of these functions that like a ton of older adults are at and this seems like fun for him to go to? Are rich kids attending parties with older people that we weren't privy to? Rich kids, if you're listening. (laughs) Are you rich and a listener of Fully Puffed Pod? And are you like very waspy? Let us know. Tell us about the kind of birthday parties, obligation or not, that you attended for your classmates. Because, like, it's not just 
the the louise's quote isn't like oh like what is this this is so weird it's another obligation party and then yeah like you're right they, the kids seem totally chill and so i'm just like is this is this normal and then all of the business associates come with their envelopes of cash that to me felt i mean as funny as it is like that they're there with the teens it felt very realistic of like if you had a graduation party or something like that like the like the older guys have no interest in actually talking to like the you know the person who's being celebrated they're just like ah here it's like a, a colleague's granddaughter just take this envelope but one thing i wanted to point out and i think i'm kind of getting ahead of myself here but while we're talking about the older business associates i noticed that rory like kind of brings up to in, uh, to Richard, like next to him with all of the older businessmen. And like, she kind of interrupts their conversation, but not in an inappropriate way, but she just seems totally relaxed and comfortable. And then there's a dramatic shift in her demeanor when she has to go talk to her peers. Yeah. And I feel like we've talked a lot about kind of the parentification of Rory and how she's sort of wiser than her years because she's had to be. And I just thought it was such a funny contrast. Like most teens would feel uncomfortable yeah. in the setting with a bunch of older, not actuaries, but like insurance. Insurance guys. <laughs> insurance guys. And she seems perfectly comfortable. But then when she has to go talk to her peers, she freezes, like visibly, like tenses up. That's such a good point. I think that you're completely right. Like Rory is throughout the series. Think about who she hangs out with. Besides Lane, all of her Stars Hollow friends are adults. Yeah. And like, I guess whatever boyfriend she's dating at the time, but like they hang out with adults too. And even though Lorelai is, you know, not much older than her, she is older. And so I think she's kind of always tagged along with Lorelai's friends and been comfortable combined with that parent parentification has been comfortable around adults and just doesn't relate to her peers very well. Yeah, actually, now that I think about it, her Stars Hollow party is... It's all adults! 99% adults! (laughs) Like, Rory doesn't have one other friend from Stars Hollow High that she could hang out with sometimes. I mean, it feels very in character to me. Yeah. But it's just funny. That's kind of sad. It's sad. Well, okay, we're we're getting ahead of ourselves, and it's my fault. Yeah, I do want to just mention, I think this is the first time that because you mentioned how Rory is really comfortable around Richard in the party scene. And I completely agree. I think this is the first time she gets an inkling that like Emily can do the sort of stuff to her that her mom has been complaining about all these years. Like yes. she's so far in the series been having really positive interactions with Emily. And I think she knows that Emily did this stuff to Lorelai, but she doesn't really feel that and like really feel the impact of it until this episode. She's treating her like she would Lorelai back then. Yeah. And I think also this is the first time as viewers we see this. Mm-hmm. Emily um, and Richard look really sympathetic until this episode. Yeah. I mean, the first scene, yeah, where it's just Lorelai in them is it's tense, but it's tense in a way that sort of, you know, make makes sense. And then the but this this action on Emily's part with the birthday party just seems so. I mean, weird. I don't know. Again, rich kids, listeners. <laughs> I think we're supposed to read it as really as weird. Because even if the rich kids are more used to it, like Rory is not. And yeah. it's we're supposed to be like empathizing with Rory here and seeing how she feels like so put over the edge by all of this. 
like when I was watching the show with my mom and she was watching it for the first time, I think she felt really bad for Richard and Emily. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Cause I can't remember if that's the approach I had when I first watched the show. But I was also thinking through the fact that like a lot of the things that Richard and Emily do that make them much less sympathetic come way later in the show. Yeah. And next couple episodes, Emily will have a little bit more of it, but. Yeah, but also the revival for Emily kind of changed my, I don't know. I've always liked Emily a lot as a character, but she's so sympathetic in the revival and her journey is so beautiful. And it's like, it expands the notion of who are the Gilmore girls to, to include Emily as well. And so I think maybe that's why I'm having a lot more sympathy for her. Yeah, because you're watching this in that context. Yeah. Because I, I do think that later in the series, like there are some moments where they are like deeply unsympathetic, like many moments, especially Emily. And um, I think we get a lot of front loading of Lorelai looking bad earlier in the series. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a way you could read the episode or this these couple episodes where you're just like, I don't really get why Lorelai feels so estranged from her parents. And you kind of see it, you start seeing it in this episode. Emily does things that she thinks that Lorelai and Rory want without actually listening to them. And it's the it's like the irony of the the episode that like just as she's starting to listen to Lorelai, she's starting to do the same like I'm not going to listen to you stuff to Rory. Oh, good point. I just thought about that as I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> it's ironic that she takes so many steps forward in her relationship with Lorelai and we see that really in the mall scene. Yes. Yeah, which is when they're going to go buy a gift for Rory and they go through the weirdest assortment of items I have ever seen. Bar none. I, like, okay. First of all, I don't know if this is intentional. If, like, Amy Sherman Palladino wants us to believe that Rory would actually carry that pink... Guitar purse? plasticky, shiny guitar purse. My read of this is that Lorelai thinks she knows Rory so well and she's feeling sort of cocky about that because Emily doesn't know her and Emily doesn't know Rory. I don't believe that Rory would use that that purse. I think Lorelai would. Lorelai would do that. Lorelai would wear the Farrah Fawcett shirt that she wanted to get her earlier. I think the only remotely Rory-like gift that she suggests is like that day planner. Ironically, so Emily, there's a really good line about when Emily suggests like getting Rory a Mont Blanc pen and Lorelai says to put on her desk at the law firm. <laughs> That's a good read of that, but it's also like Rory would appreciate a nice pen and maybe one that's not like $200, but what, like a nice set of pens and a notebook, I think would be much more in line with a Rory gift than what either Emily or Lorelai is trying to get her. So maybe like ironically, this scene is showing that while Lorelai thinks that she's bringing Emily closer to understanding Rory, they don't understand Rory as well as they think they do. Yeah, exactly. So I was watching this with my husband and he was like, wait, I think Rory would love a Mont Blanc pen. And I was like, yeah. Yeah, she would take really good care of it too. Or why not get her a book? Yeah. I know Lorelai likes cute tchotchkes. But does Rory? They're all over the house, but that's because it's Lorelai's house. I don't know. Rory doesn't wear as much of that stuff, but she seems to express like an appreciation for it. Yeah. And she kind of has like more in her dorm when she moves out. Like you can kind of see that taste. Like she has posters and stuff like that. But I think that, yeah, they're shopping for Lorelai. Yeah. And I've I've also always hated the bracelets, which... Uh-huh. 
we have to talk about freaking bracelets in this episode. Oh, you, yeah. you know Rory, she wears tons of jewelry. No. Got Rory and her love of funky eclectic jewelry and like handcrafted leather bracelets. Like what? Maybe I saw Rory wear a necklace once. Yeah, and if it was, it was just like, because I actually don't remember, but I'm sure that the costume department had her in some like chain, like a simple chain. Like, I, I, it bothers me. It's bad. If I feel like I may be pushing this, I feel like it must be a symbol of like ownership and like trying to tie someone to what you want. So like the bracelet from Emily is like, trying to tie her to this new life and then of course dean has very <laughs> well, well you're right definitely about the dean part because even if it we don't see that in this episode that bracelet is definitely that's definitely what that bracelet becomes because yeah. that's why he's so obsessive in season two when she loses it because or when she takes it off she says because she's an allergic reaction to it because <laughs> he's that's like what is tying him to her and like proof that she's still committed to the relationship and all that jazz so I think that it's definitely working symbolically here even in the beginning the bracelets they get Rory are ugly (laughs) (laughs) listeners I will I'm not afraid to say this I think that Emily is wrong about the kinds of gifts Rory would like like she doesn't want a pashmina though that's an iconic grandmother thing (laughs) to want to get my grandma used to get me like pashmina like items which I love but I also think a $12 jelly bracelet is is it's it's come on like that's not a birthday gift it's not even the money it's just like here's a small jelly bracelet get her something else yeah and I mean she at least she's wearing it at the party but Lorelai also gets Rory a macbook (laughs) so we know that like, it's not that Lorelai gets her little presents. I understand that she's trying to push Emily away from like large, expensive, demonstrative gifts as a sign of love. And like, oh, these are the things Rory might really like. I just think it's not something Rory would like. No, Rory, as the show goes on, even, I don't think it's a big jewelry person. Oh, she doesn't, she's not a, a flashy dresser. And, and even as she becomes like more chic, even though they don't manage to get Rory a gift that I think she will actually like, it's a very nice bonding moment between Emily and Lorelai. Yes. And then we have this great moment that I didn't, I didn't put this together, but you did that Rory waiting for Lorelai at Luke's and then Lorelai coming in jazzed about the outing with her mother is like a parallel to the golfing episode. I just noticed that when I watched it this time, I was like, oh, this feels very, very similar to when Rory comes back all really excited from golfing at, with Richard at the club. Rory doesn't want to ruin it for Lorelai, just as Lorelai doesn't want to ruin it for Rory, but they're both doing a terrible job of hiding how they feel about it. Yeah. Rory's like, oh, I got an A minus on a French test when I thought I was going to get an A. Admirable self-restraint, Rory, but you can't keep your feelings in this long. Yeah, but I like that you made that comparison because when I watched it, I was just like, shove those feelings down, Rory. (laughs) And I was like thinking back to like Rory being parentified and being her mom's like almost sole source of emotional support. And I was just like, man, here's another example of that. But 
your point, like, I think it's interesting because it shows how it, it can be a codependent dynamic, but also that's what we do for each other. Yeah. In families, you know, or for friendships, you know, when, when someone is, you know, happy, we don't want to bring them down because we care about them. Exactly. And I think that sometimes like we see things between their relationship and we have like, everybody has a tendency when they watch the show to be like, oh, is this healthy? Is this healthy? But I think also some of the moments that could be read as like, oh, Rory's, you know, doing XYZ, Lorelai's doing XYZ, are like very tender moments where they're also trying to protect each other. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I don't think I talk about enough. Also, it's like another instance of secret keeping in the episode too. Yeah, good point. All about keeping secrets from people and not knowing what your daughter is feeling or being or how she's behaving as much as you think that you do. And then we get a really nice moment on Rory's actual birth moment, which is apparently 4 3 a.m. I thought it was 4 4, <laughs> what the clock said. On what did you say it was October 13th? October 8th. October 8th. Okay. Neither you nor I are astrology people, and Ebo isn't either, but what, what sign would Rory be? Oh, I don't know. Look it up. Look it up. I'll do So I'll just talk about the scene really quickly. Lorelai comes in and wakes Rory up at the exact moment she was born. And you get this really great visual of them snuggling together in bed. And it's one that the show knows is iconic too, not only because it'll be reused on, you know, every fan edit until the end of time, but because in season six, they redo it. Rory has a dream this is happening, but instead of Lorelai doing it, it's Madeline Albright. (laughs) Former Secretary of State Madeline Albright is on Gilmore Girls. And as I was thinking through this episode, I was like, how did they get Madeline Albright? Like, is she a Gilmore Girls fan? And I thought that sarcastically. And then I was like, yeah, I bet she is. Or like her granddaughter was. <laughs> By the way, this makes Rory a Libra. Oh, I don't think I know very many Libras, if at all. Do you? Um, no. And I don't know what it means. I don't know what like. <laughs> as soon as I said that, I was like, I probably do know a lot of Libras, but I just don't ask them because I don't really care about astrology that much. It's an air sign. So that's all I got. Cool. If you're a listener to the pod and you know something about astrology, please tell us what Rory's sign means and also what Lorelai's is if you can figure out when her birthday is because I don't exactly know what it is. I don't either. I don't think they have a Lorelai's birthday episode ever. Yes. Okay. With the giant pizza. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Season three, giant pizza. It's like in winter. Actually, one thing that I did want to point out, I mean, I guess they're in Connecticut. But if Rory's birthday is October 8th and supposedly Lorelai gave birth to her in a snowstorm, as she will claim next episode. Uh-huh. I uh, had some thoughts about that too. <laughs> it's always bothered me because it's like so quickly. Like if it, if, if she if Lorelai claimed that like in season three, yeah. that's one thing. That's like, guys, this just happened. <laughs> like we just had this episode. Maybe it was a freak snowstorm that they, they experienced in early October. <laughs> I don't know if you were in Connecticut in whatever year you was born and you you had a freak snowstorm like around then feel free to correct us maybe that was more common in Connecticut back then but I don't think it's common there now and I don't think it ever was common there then so that's all we'll say about that but it's a lovely moment like Lorelai asks Rory what do you think of your life so far it's really cute and then she tells her her birth story which is funny it's just nice yeah it's just such a sweet classic moment and it's a great moment of the like mother-daughter relationship being presented as something that's 
I think it could easily have become really one-sided, you know, like this is my birth story, whereas we're, you know, making Rory like a footnote in her own birth story, but no, it's, it's just a really beautiful, sweet moment. And I love, I think this is like the strength of Amy Sherman Palladino is that like, sometimes I, the show tells us in the early episodes that Rory and Lorelai are close, but it doesn't feel like they show us not to be like a show don't tell person, but this, this moment, this whole episode shows you and makes you believe that they are actually have a super close and supportive relationship rather than like banging you over the head with it in a way that can sometimes I think feel false. Yeah, for sure. Oh, we didn't talk about the interaction between Rory and Luke or. Oh yeah. That's the, that's the scene actually. Well, I was talking about, I think I jumped ahead, Oh, okay. but, but yeah, we can talk about Luke and getting invited to the party. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So when Rory wakes up, you know, for, for the morning of her birthday, she goes to Luke's and Luke has set up a table for her with special birthday balloons. And so he has written happy birthday, Rory, and like Sharpie on the balloons or really the props person who is working hard in this episode has written happy birthday, Rory. Clearly, I mean, I don't want to like gender handwriting necessarily, but I'm sorry, that is not Luke's handwriting. Luke's handwriting, and it's very clearly. I also don't want to gender handwriting because I thought about it and I felt bad. But like, it doesn't. I will say it doesn't look like the handwriting on any of like the the uh, chalkboards or anything like there that. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> it's so yeah. Luke, quote unquote. Maybe it's Caesar in the back uh, doing that. <laughs> Luke outsourcing his uh, birthday balloon work. But it's really cute. And it's a moment where I feel like this is the Rory and Luke relationship that we are like sold on in the rest of the show. Yes. Yes, for sure. Which is why you thought it was weird that he had to be invited to the birthday party. Yes. My theory is just that it's established later in the show that Luke is a hermit who like goes to bed mega early. Oh, that's a good point. So I thought maybe it would just be, it was indicating that like Luke doesn't go to parties A and that B, he wouldn't be out late. Yeah, that's actually a really good call, especially on like a Saturday night. I think that that makes sense. It does, but but I only say that because of later, like I'm thinking like season five. Yeah, (laughs) when they talk about Rory, like Luke getting Rory a gift when she's like 11 and things like that, you know. Also, he always plays kind of shy about stuff. So like, you know, when he's like, oh, you don't have to invite me. I feel like he would just kind of say that. Yeah, that's true. It's really sweet though. It is sweet. A couple just like stray observations. I love that Rory has like a pile of CDs. She's with Lane for her coffee cake birthday surprise. And she has a pile of CDs and I was just so desperately trying to see what they were and I couldn't. <laughs> Maybe it was Eminem. <laughs> like, oh, you got me my favorite. <laughs> All my rap music. Oh no, wait, it's Lorelai who likes the rap music. Okay, the, we know that apparently according to this Lorelai and Rory like similar things. But yeah, I think that I don't know what the CDs are, but I, I, I in my heart, they're more aligned to Rory's actual music taste than we've been getting so far in the show. Yes, we get a cute, and I, I say this because this is the last time, listeners, I will say, that I'm like somewhat charmed by Dean. You hate Dean. I do hate Dean. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> you hate um, Dean more than I do. I don't like Dean. You hate Dean. I am trying to be oh, nice. 
don't. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but seriously, I like, cause I think Dean, it's in, okay, wait, the next, the next episode, I think it's when I start hating Dean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's like, and I was telling my husband about it. I was like, they're changing Dean in this episode. And then I was like, wait, wait, no, this is just the first episode that Dean's been like a full character. <laughs> so I hate him after I get to know him. <laughs> that, that reminds me of like when in season two Rory's like you hated T- Dean before you got to know him and about Jess and Lorelai's like that's because I didn't know him and she's like I hate Jess because I know him. <laughs> I'm butchering the actual quote but it's really funny we hate Dean because we know Dean yes he is cute in this episode it's cute but I think it's funny that he was wearing a leather jacket too because we've been talking about how he's kind of like a prototype for Jess like early Dean is they're beta testing all the male characters in season one we have prototype Logan and Tristan we have prototype Jess in the original Dean who is not the Dean of later seasons they're just throwing stuff out there I think so my nice thing is that I do find this you know little scene where he he walks in he gets some coffee or whatever at Luke's and he leaves and he mouths happy birthday to Rory and I think it's a very cute moment there you go Dean there you go Dean nice job I still don't know how he knows to show up at her house like to give her the thing the bracelet but I think that the gesture of him making the bracelet is actually very sweet yes even though it's ugly (laughs) like (laughs) he just like took a piece of leather and drilled a hole like that's not a bracelet Dean but you know what He's a boy and <laughs> Gilmore Girls is uninterested in male intelligence. So <laughs> very true. Season two. And then even then it's like eh, about it. Yeah. So for Dean, this is a this is a big deal <laughs> that he can do this. He had to work really hard to figure out how to do it. So yeah, it's it's nice. It's the last nice moment Rory gets before she has to go to her birthday party, which is bleak. Oh. Do we want to talk about the outfits or should we wait? Let's wait. Okay. Although I don't have much to say except I love them. I think they're cute. Oh, they're adorable. Yeah. So just basically Emily buys Rory and Lorelai and we'll talk more about what they look like in a minute, like during our segments, but she buys them like huge tooly dresses to wear to the party and Lorelai is a good seamstress. So of course she redoes them and makes them really, really cute. I did want to point out though, in the scene in at Luke's where Lorelai has the dresses, there's a big like sticker on them that says Damien's and I was wondering because Damien is like the demon possessed kid in the omen I just wonder if that was on purpose no it's because Emily says like meet me at Damien's and I was like that's a weird name for a department store Emily I missed that she that she said it yeah so maybe it's just Amy Sherman Palladino would do something like that like just to mess with us so like throw in a funny pop culture reference I'm surprised they didn't have Lorelai say something about it (laughs) I'm pretty sure they reference the omen. They do. Before or later. So, I mean, in the show. Yeah, so. they definitely do. And they like Lorelai does a little thing about it. Like she does an imitation. We will just assume that it was a reference. It was an intentional, an intentional thing. Yeah. You made a really good point about the dresses, but let's we'll take uh, wait. Yeah. yeah. We have exciting things to say about them. But in this moment, uh, Lorelai and Rory get to the party. Uh, Emily is has a whole catering staff on her beck and call. And she makes some remark to Lorelai about doing something. And Lorelai's like, nice candles, mom. Six inches apart. 
which is exactly what Emily told the servers before Rory and Lorelai came in. So we get a moment where Lorelai has Emily's number and knows exact knows her much better than Emily thinks she does. The party then starts and Rory is drinking a Shirley Temple. Ew, I hate maraschino cherries and it's, they're so sugary. <laughs> As someone who doesn't drink, I'm a connoisseur of like non-alcoholic mocktails. So, ugh, Shirley Temple. Lorelai is drinking a Shirley Temple Black, <laughs> which is funny. <laughs> It's Which, a, like, I want to know what that means. Right? What alcohol do you think is in it? Well, I feel like it has to be vodka. Thinking vodka. But black, the use of black, and I, I understand what she, like, means, but I feel like it just calls to mind Johnny Walker. And I'm like, did you put whiskey in your Shirley Temple? I was thinking rum. And I think it's because I was thinking about a dark and stormy, so I was like, black, dark. But it's got to be vodka, because otherwise... Ew. Well, wait a second, but a Shirley Temple isn't a man- a Manhattan has a Maritino Terry in it, doesn't it? Oh, okay. So the joke is that Shirley Temple's uh married name was Shirley Temple Black. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you and I just really went in on this and we did a real analysis of it. But it's okay, yeah. but it has to have vodka in it. <laughs> it's a much better joke than uh, than I thought. That's hilarious. So, props to Lorelai and props to Amy Sherman Palladino for writing that one. <laughs> See, That's no matter how many times you watch the show, there are still new things to discover. <laughs> but yeah, oh my God. That's so funny. But they're miserable. Rory gets carted off to say hi to some people and Lorelai meets uh, her first like peer we see from this, this group of people, Mitzi. And Ooh. she's horrible. <laughs> She's bad. If you think Lorelai is annoying, like, wait till you get to meet Mitzi. Like, yikes. And she, her whole thing is that she, like, says inappropriate things. Like, she acknowledges it, but then she keeps doing it. And it's, like, this weird passive-aggressive m- move to, like, admit that you're going to be shitty. <laughs> she brings up Christopher, too, which is a very interesting thing to get in this episode. Yes. I feel like... There, the Christopher references are going to keep amping up until his appearance. Yes. And I think that's a smart writing choice because it would feel very strange if he got mentioned once or twice and dropped out of the blue. Part of me wonders if it's just like intentional that Lorelai got pregnant at 16 and now Rory is 16. So yeah. it's like the circle of life. <laughs> uh, yeah. um, I think they're prepping us for him to come, but I also think it's really fascinating that like, yeah, because it's so much about, this episode is so much about, like, the birth story of, like, the mother and the daughter, and, like, Christopher is totally absent from that, and when yeah. we make a reference to him, it's only to his absence, like, oh, Christopher's not here, we don't see him. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could argue that if Mitzi is a friend from the, you know, a friend, an acquaintance, <laughs> yeah, that Lorelai knew, knew from high school that she would also know Christopher, and she would yeah. ask about him, but also, it's just sort of played like she knows she's being inappropriate and she's oh, she knows she's being mean. But Lorelai, you know, Lorelai's fine. Like she, she's like, all right, I'm going to go talk to somebody else. Essentially says that to her face. Yes, I see somebody else. Somebody else. She's like, I'm just going to go over there. And the, yeah, and then we cut to Rory, who's equally actually much more uncomfortable. Yeah, it's bad. Oh, I do want to point out though that I feel like 
there's some foreshadowing here for some potential Paris friendship. Yes. Because Paris also looks super uncomfortable. Yeah, Paris is only at parties, not because she's a party person, as we'll get later. Like, she just, every party for Paris is an obligation party. (laughs) Yeah. But we've only seen her acting really powerful and mean, just like being a bully. And this is the first time she seems vulnerable. Yeah, Paris is out of her element here, which is interesting in how we talked about Rory, like being more in her element around the adults. Finally, we see Paris outside of her element of power, which is like chillin. Yeah. Oh, and then we get freaking Tristan. Tristan. Harassing Rory on her birthday. It's like, oh my God, can he not just, he must be so annoying to have to deal with all the time. Also, this is an example of early Gilmore Girls writing. Tristan's last name, which we get revealed in like episode two is Dugray, which like really, they would never write that later. Like that is such a, it's such an, effort-free like rich guy name that they're just like yeah Tristan Dugray and it sounds so ridiculous when he says it to Richard. <laughs> Poor Edward Herman is trying his hardest to sell that line of like Dugray and he almost gets there. That's how I feel about Mitzi too. It's like they ju- they were just like what's a rich sounding name? Oh we can't call her Muffy. Let's call her Mitzi. <laughs> Mitzi. Yeah so you know we learned that Tristan's grandfather knows Ed, uh, I was going to say Edward Herman knows Richard, which is sort of another proto-Logan moment because, of course, Logan's parents are really tight with the Gilmores. And then Emily tries to get Rory to see her school friends in the library, which means that she sees a bunch of people who ask, like, who is that? And one of the guys is like, I think it's her party, which, oh. And then she Emily tries to get her to make a speech. And Rory melts down. <laughs> This is our second Rory freakout in five episodes. <laughs> I think it's deserved. Yeah. For all of pe- the people who were like, Rory was so sweet and perfect before season five or season six. Like, Rory has a lot of anger under the surface, guy. Do you think that this is really a move that Emily would make? Like, trying to have Rory, like, make a speech? <laughs> I really do, yeah. What, what rings unrealistic to you? Well... I guess it just feels like it's it's Emily's party. Like she's the one who planned it. She's the one who sent out the invitations. She's, you know, her name was prominently featured on the uh, invitation. I feel like it would make sense to me that Emily would consider herself to be the hostess of this party for her granddaughter. So part of me, so it's always felt like that was kind of a weird thing that she would expect Rory to make a speech. So I never thought about this, but I agree with you in part that Emily would think of herself as like throwing the party for Rory. But I think what we're supposed to get out of it is like, Emily thinks that Rory genuinely wants this because Emily doesn't listen to Rory or like care about what Rory really wants. She genuinely thinks that like, oh, Rory will be really happy about this. She's not inviting all of her schoolmates, even like just because it's obligation. She's trying to fit her in the mold that like is a daughter or granddaughter that would want something like this. So in her mind, like she's doing Rory a, a favor and Rory wants to, of course, speak up in the hostess role and say like, oh, thank you so much, grandma. Like, if, you know, Emily would introduce her. But yeah, I think that that's what we're supposed to see from it. This is honestly like a worst nightmare situation of being asked to make an on the spot speech in front of people you don't know. And the people you do know don't like you. <laughs> Half of Rory's moments in like the first five episodes are just stress stream situations. <laughs> like you're in a new school and you break this girl's diorama. You're in a new school and people are mean to you and you don't know where to go. Or like, you know, you have a test and you overslept it. 
uh, you have to make a speech in front of all these people and you're uncomfortable. Like <laughs> Rory's blood pressure must be so high. Yeah. And she snaps mm-hmm. and flees to Lorelai's old room, which is the first time I think that we see it. Yeah. I was thinking about this too. It is the first time we see it. Once again, props people, set design. Nice job with this. This is the most uncomfortable looking little kid bedroom I have ever seen. And I always thought it was fascinating that it's like, it's not a typical like preppy teenager's bedroom. It's a children's bedroom. And that's a really good point. Yeah, Lorelai lived in that. You know, she put her own stamp on it. She put new wave posters up, which we'll talk about. But it's not even like she tried to make it like, you know, a, a teenager's version of this. It's a kid's room. And it really like, acts out and shows through the props that infantilization of Lorelai that like Emily's not listening to her she's not trusting her she always saw her as just you know like childlike in that way yeah I actually never thought about that I just thought like oh it's like too girly and frilly and it looks like a weird mix of like an old person's room and a child's room but you're right she lived there until she was I think she was 17. Because she had Rory for a year in that bedroom. Did you ever see the Olsen twins movie, It Takes Two? Almost certainly because I saw all of the movies. So just refresh me which bedroom you're referring to. (laughs) Well, so that's the one that's like a parent trap, like a twist on the parent trap. I think it's Ashley. I kind of hate that I know this. I'm pretty sure that it's Ashley Olsen who plays the rich girl. I could see that. They always made Mary-Kate play like the 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 more subversive roles. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But they're like nine uh, maybe not nine but like 10 11 like pre-teens and Lorelai's room reminds me of her bedroom in that movie see it's interesting because I always think like what child would even actually like this bedroom like I was actually a pretty girly little kid I like dolls and stuff and I this room is so stuffy because you're like you're right it's a combination of an old person's room and a kid's room but I think it's fascinating that like it gives you no room to even think that Lorelai might have liked this as a child. It's just so oppressive and gross that you're like, yeah, this is no real human being would want this, which is of course mm-hmm. the point, right? That they're trying to fit her into a box that no one could have fit into. Yeah, but it's got all these like weird Victorian dolls and... I would lose my mind if I had to spend more than a day and a half in there. I was a weird kid who liked, really like, was obsessed with the Victorian era when I was little. I had the dolls. I feel like I would have liked it, but but not like to live in. I think I would have just. You would have liked to go there and look at the stuff. Cause I think yeah. that was cool too. Like, oh, interesting. Cause I liked that kind of stuff as a kid too. But like, can you imagine waking up in there? No, I, I love that you said that. It's like a child's room that even through preteen, teen years remained nearly untouched except for some random like new wave posters. Which is interesting because that means that Emily must have not let her renovate it. Yeah. And even that when she asked for like an updated version of it, it must have been like, no. Yeah. And then of course the dollhouse that will feature so prominently in late, a later season is right there. Yeah, there's a lot of like doll. Yeah dollhouse imagery in these yeah because they're trying they were trying to groom Lorelai into the little doll not to belabor the point and then they're trying to groom Rory who literally looks like a doll (laughs) into this and I think this is also Emily's first inkling that Rory is not the perfect little granddaughter that she can mold into that too 
because yeah. I haven't thought about this, but like Rory up until this point has not done anything that Emily is displeased with. Wow. Yeah. I, and I hadn't even thought like Alexis Vidal does look like a little porcelain. Oh, no. and I think that this is really Emily coming to terms with the fact that like, that's not who Rory is either. Even though at the beginning of the episode, it seems like she, when she asked Lorelai to go shopping, it seems like she thinks, you know, I want to really get to know Rory. I want to figure out who she actually is. So I think her like conscious motivation is to get to know Rory, but she can't break out of this pattern that she's had for so long, which is like, I have to force people into these roles. Yeah. Oh, and you know what? Even correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't don't they do Alexis Bledel's hair and ringlet? Yep. She looks like a doll in the scene. She even has the little shrug that they used to put on doll, which I like for the record. It looks cute on her. It's Lorelai's. We'll talk about that. She looks like a little doll you could put on your shelf and it would like look at you and have little ringlets and porcelain skin. Symbolism. Symbolism. So, you know, Lorelai comes up and comforts Rory and talks about her own experiences in this, in this room and her, with her own birthdays, uh, which really hammers that point in that we've just been talking about that, you know, this is how Lorelai was treated too. Last birthday, we find out that she was there, she was pregnant and they get in a huge fight. And she says that, you know, when she told her parents she was pregnant, it was the first time they ever looked small to her, which is fascinating to have yeah. the, like, the parents looking small imagery throughout the, the show. Oh, right. And it's the first time that I think, and I said this earlier, that that Rory really feels what Lorelai was put through in this house. Yes, for sure. Well, Rory tries to apologize. I guess she did blow up at her grandmother in public, but it's still, I think it's very big of Rory because she seems genuine. Yeah. And invites her to her star's hollow birthday party. And Emily is so awful. She's so mean here. I think this is actually the meanest thing she does the entire episode. It's worse than the birthday party thing where she's like, oh no, I'm sorry. We have plans. That's a 16 year old. And you know, she's hurting. Like you, you just, we have plans, obvious lie. Like she knows it's an obvious lie. That's why it's awful. Like you just did that to a child. And she calls her dear in this really awful, like kind of clipped way. She says like, she has this like weird monotone voice that she puts on there that I don't think we've ever heard her use yet. She will later in the series, but. Lorelai tells Rory to go sit in the car and she basically, I think totally rightly, reams Emily out for this. Yeah, and this is the first time I think that we get a real Lorelai-Emily fight on screen. Well, we got it in the first episode when they talk about the tuition. Right. But this is the first time when Emily has done something bad (laughs) and that she kind of has what's coming to her. Lorelai, I forget exactly how they get on this, but she, oh, right. So Lorelai says you were, this isn't what she wanted, you know, go because Emily says, you know, I threw her this great party for her birthday. And, and Lorelai says, that's not what she wanted. What she needs is for you to come to her party. And she's like, but of course, you know, you never made the effort to get to know her. Like you never got to know me. Like you never knew anything about me. And Emily's like, oh, wouldn't you like to believe that, that I don't know anything about you. And Lorelai's like, yeah, you don't, you know, nothing about me. And then they just kind of like, bicker at each other for a while and it gets really dark but that's the central thematic moment in it which is that like Lorelai says to Emily you know you think you know me and you have never made an effort to yeah and I think in some ways this is like you pointed out that they did have the fight in the first episode but I think in some ways this is the first time that our the viewers are seeing like Lorelai is not just spoiled and like whining about her upbringing that there was a lot of truly toxic dynamics yeah 
because I think that it can seem in other episodes like she is or in earlier episodes that she just kind of is being whiny about it but like this is just a small portion of what we're gonna get later listeners if you haven't seen the show like this is a taste of all the stuff that Lorelai went through and the really awful things that really went on in that house so stay tuned I mean, it's nothing crazy awful. It's not like, you know, don't get like, don't let your imagination carry you away. But it's it's just like, torture. Yeah, like nobody was being tortured, but it's just like emotional, you know, angst and hurt and all that stuff. So the next day we have Rory's, oh, we have a brief college fair scene. I mean, we can talk about it, but. Well, I just want to point out what my husband yeah. said, which it's is. really smart because we talked about this before the episode. I, Okay. The college fair is happening and Rory goes basically to pick up a Harvard brochure. Harvard's colors are, I don't know, but mostly red. Red and white, question mark? I don't know. Crimson. Crimson, primarily crimson, which by the way, Paris, who's also at the college fair, going to pick up a Harvard brochure, is wearing crimson. Rory, however, is wearing blue and white, which are Yale colors. Spoiler alert, listeners, Rory will end up going to Yale and so will Paris. But I wonder if that was intentional. Do you think at this point in the show, they knew she was going to go to Yale? I think so, because didn't they say that they had the entire, basically the entire, like the broad strokes of the show planned out from the start? I didn't know that. Did Amy Sherman Palladino say that? I'm pretty sure. She she said that she knew the last line of the show. Yes. Mm -hmm. From the start. And that's the last line we get in the revival, guys. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. which we won't spoil for you right now. But I feel like for the trajectory of the story, yeah. it, it must have always been a plan. So I don't know if she had been wearing any other color, you know, like you don't have to wear red to go pick up your Harvard brochure. But the fact that she's wearing blue and white, I think is probably significant. Now that you said that, yeah, I, I don't think that's a coincidence. And I think that's a real point in the they always meant this. Yeah. Column. Nice work, Alfred. Shout out to you. And then also, I just feel like this is another scene. The interaction between Rory and Paris is the ice thawing, some like maybe friendship foreshadowing. Oh, yeah. It's good. And Paris is like, nice party. <laughs> In a, I mean, I sounded bitchier saying it than Paris actually sounds, which is funny. She's like, hey, nice party. Is that better? <laughs> yes, that sounded just like her. Um, and she says it almost in a sad way. Yeah. I think Paris's parents wouldn't even bother to throw an obligation party for her. <laughs> There's no. a scene in one of the episodes coming up when Lorelai like goes searching for uh, Madeline Louise who go kind of missing. Paris is like, I wonder if my mom would go looking for me if, if I went missing. Lori's <laughs> like, Paris, of course she would. And Paris is like, yeah, at least she'd send somebody. <laughs> so dark. Paris has a lot of issues. Paris' nanny would be out with like a flashlight looking for her. <laughs> yes. I love nanny. I do too. Um, okay, we get, yeah, we should probably jump ahead to that. Right. So we'll jump ahead. Um, it's Rory Star's Hollow Party. An extremely classic Gilmore Girls scene. They put this one in the intro sequence too. It's all pinks and reds, but in like cool, funky way. There's tons of string lights and warm tones and everybody's happy and all the townspeople are there. And Michelle is also there. (laughs) In his dunce cap. He's not happy about it. Rory gets a huge cake made by Suki that has a picture (laughs) of her face on it. That was like a real moment. 
in that era. Like I had a cake that was had a scanned face of me. I feel like normally it's you doing something funny though, <laughs> not like just a picture of you, like as your face. It looks like they got Rory's school picture put on our cake. Yeah, I I never had a face cake. <laughs> well, Rory has a real one where like you got she got it. Um, I think Suki like drew it on there in icing. Yeah, the ones that you got later, like the collective you were like they had scanning technology where you could just put a picture on it. Right, right. Like nobody was painting, don't get it twisted. Nobody was painting my face and icing on there. It was just like something Carvel would do, like Carvel ice cream cakes. <laughs> Rory is a real one. Maybe that's why it became a trend. People saw Rory's cake and they were like, I want this. <laughs> yeah. Cool picture on my cake. It's such a cute scene. Everything is so warm and cozy and there's like the lanterns and candles and Christmas lights and Oh, I love it. And you're supposed to see an obvious parallel and contrast here, right? To like the stuffiness and not Rory and Lorelai-ness of Emily's party to this is like the essence of who Rory is in this party, or at least who like Rory's stars hollow friend present is. Yeah. I, I said when we talked about the episode before that like a lesser show would have ended with Lorelai and Emily's confrontation at the party. I think that it adds so much to the episode to have Rory's party at Stars Ho- the Stars Hollow party included in this. Yes. Because it's not half the episode. It's like 15 minutes at the end. And it's so interesting that it gets like added onto there. And you know, I actually always think that this scene, well, actually there's a lot about this party that I think is longer. Yeah. Like, when I think about this episode, I think about this party. Uh-huh. I forget that there's so much other stuff. It's a really enjoyable set of scenes too. And I think that you're supposed to feel that warmth like tremendously. It's yeah. this top tier Amy Sherman Palladino mood creation here. Yes. <laughs> and once again, props department, great job. <laughs> you guys are really showing up. And so Lorelai has just finished giving Rory her MacBook, which is one of like the old school actual computers that you can like see the, remember they came in colors and you can like fairly like, transparent in the back. That's what it is. Yes. I, well, I actually just saw a meme recently that was like this past week that was like <laughs> something like once we embrace transparent technology again, society will heal. I miss transparent technology so much. It was such a good look. It made you feel like you were on a space shuttle or something like that. And like on like, what's that Xenon show? And like, Xenon, <laughs> It, we need to embrace transparent technology. Jewel cases for like CDs, perfect. Also, I guess that like resolves, we were complaining in episode two that Rory didn't have like the highest tech stuff to do her homework on. I guess that resolves it. Like props to Lorelai, you did get her in the end a, a really nice computer and clearly you saved up a lot of money for that. So nice job. Emily can get her a $12 bracelet. Lorelai splurged. Um, which I think it's really nice because Rory does need to go on the computer. Yeah. Hopefully we got some better internet. Kirk came over as real Kirk and hooked them up. Kirk's not at the party though, right? I, I didn't don't think so. That's a good point. In later seasons, Kirk would be the star of the party, I'm sure. Oh, for sure. They're still figuring out the kinks of the character. <laughs> so Miss Patty's there and we know that because when, so there's a knock on the door and Lorelai's like, get your asses in here, which like, I don't know. I don't like that line at all. I don't either. It does not, it seems sort of out of character to the extent that I'm like, are we supposed to think she's drunk? <laughs> I think just, just for that line, that's my reading. 
like because I hate it so much and then she sobers up magically immediately after because she gives like a speech a fake speech for Rory like a rabbi walks into a bar that like also sounds weirdly fake drunk like she would do yeah. that normally. anyway who knows she's drinking a Shirley Temple black apparently there's a knock on the door and it's Richard and Emily <gasps> and they show up looking extremely out of place and Miss Patty immediately tries to flirt with Richard <laughs> I feel like Richard seems more comfortable than Emily in the scene. But you're right that he looks uncomfortable when Miss Patty's flirting with him. And I think that's really sweet. Really sweet. Because he has an earlier moment in the episode where he tells Emily how nice she looks. And he interrupts her trying to like mess with him by saying that. It's really adorable. And you had said before, Catherine, that you think they're an example of an older couple with really great chemistry. And I completely agree. They are relationship goals. They will have some issues later. But overall, perfect. Love them. Yes. But he, you're right, he seems very comfortable. In one of my favorite scenes in the entire show, Rory sets him down with a Cosmo magazine and is like, and this isn't the Wall Street Journal, but it has a quiz about what kind of complexion you are. And so <laughs> that's up on the porch. And what I love about this is they could easily play it like, oh, he wouldn't be interested in it. But he sets to reading it like it is Moby Dick. Yeah. He's like, oh, and holds it up. And he intently reads it. And I believe he read the whole magazine. Because he's like really still going through it like an hour later when they come get him. It's so cute. And and this is, I think, we, you know, we keep saying like, this is the, this is the Gilmore Girls we know. And this is the Richard we know. But this truly, is, this is, this is yeah. the Richard we know. Yeah. Love. Also, Richard gives Rory so much money throughout this episode. <laughs> he gives her her initial gift of money for, and then he gives her more money at the end of her original birthday party for Fez. And then at the end of this birthday party, he gives her even more money. And he's she's like, grandpa. And he's like, Fez is a very big place, Rory, <laughs> which is so cute. How much money do you think she gets total from Richard? <laughs> I don't know. I, can't, I was wondering also how much was in the, like what's an appropriate gift from your grandfather's business associates. I have no um, idea, dude. Yeah. <laughs> no clue. 200, 500? I know, I mean, my grandparents, it can be 25 bucks. Yeah, same, we're, we're dealing outside the realm of things you and I are you're used to here. If you're a rich person, it's time to chime in again. What would your waspy grandparents' friends have gotten you for your birthday? You can be anonymous, just tell us. Listeners. <laughs> Listeners, hello, would you like to contribute to the podcast? Send us an envelope for our trip to Fez, which we will take if you give us money. But <laughs> um, I think she probably gets like 5K total from Richard. And I'm sure she puts it away and saves it because it's Rory. But you know, the Richard stuff is sort of like a side part of this party because we have center stage Emily and Lorelai interactions. So while Richard is outside reading Cosmo Girl, the uh, the party is in full swing inside and all the townspeople, which I love that they're there, we get so much Good Stars Hollow stuff in this scene, are just all reminiscing about baby Rory or childhood Rory. And Catherine, you had said before we recorded that you loved that Mari talks about how bad Rory was at ballet. I just love that scene because everybody's talking about, oh, Rory was so cute when she did this and she was so cute when she did that. And Miss Patty's saying like, oh, you would have been a great ballerina. And then everybody else is like, um, and then <laughs> Maury just flat out was like, you're really bad. I love that. Not only because it feels realistic that Rory would be a bad dancer, which it later shows that she is, but also because I think, you know, it can be tempting to think Rory like, oh, Rory's so perfect at everything. What an annoying character. But I love when they acknowledge that she sucks at stuff. 
Yeah. And it's also such a great moment because you have to be really close and comfortable with someone to tell them that they suck. (laughs) And like, you know, none of them told her she was bad when she was a child, but like now she's reached the point where she can accept it. And like, she knows she was not good. Yes. But Emily's listening to all the townspeople tell these stories and you can see that she's realizing that you know, she doesn't have any of these memories with Rory and Lorelai, that they they have this really rich and full life here. And I can't believe I forgot to mention this, but Lorelai tells Suki that this is the first time Richard and Emily have ever been to this house, ever. Yeah. So they are really discovering Rory and Lorelai's life that they've never had access to before. Yeah. And then I love that at the Gilmore party, they flee upstairs to Lorelai's bedroom. And then we have a parallel of that again. Yes! Emily flees to kind of, I think my read is to sort of, because she's getting emotional. Yeah, I think so too, to get away from all that. And I think like Lorelai's bedroom is the only thing upstairs except for the main bathroom. So like, it's not like she's really snooping around or anything. She just goes up there and starts, you know, that's the only place for her to go. Yeah, and she's sort of sadly looking at this quilt And Lorelai comes in and mentions that she made the quilt out of Rory's baby clothes. And you just get this moment with them where Emily is actually being vulnerable. Yeah. You know, it's a really sad moment. This is the scene that I said earlier. Like, I always imagine the scene is longer because it's so impactful. It's so impactful. And Emily, like the the crux of like the big moment is that Emily picks up a picture that Lorelai has on her dresser and Lorelai has like a cast on in it. And she's like, when, what did this happen? And Lorelai's like, oh, I broke my leg a couple years ago. And Emily's like, I didn't know you broke your leg. And Lorelai's like, no mom, it's no big deal. If I had been really sick, you would have known. But you can just really see Emily's pain that like, that's a big thing, you know? And it's a symbol for all of the other big things that they missed out on. And that they just like, Lorelai has this huge whole life that Emily just has no idea about and when she comes here there's people telling stories about her and Rory and there's people who clearly love her and she's this whole sense of community that Emily is just not a part of. Yeah and it ends on a nice note when um, Lorelai says it was nice that Emily came and that it meant a lot to Rory and you know you can kind of tell there's this (laughs) moment where. And a lot to me too yeah. When Emily says, she is my granddaughter after all, I should be here. And then immediately it cuts to Emily coming and telling Richard it's time to go. And I just feel like even though it, like the interaction between Lorelai and um, Emily ends on a nice note, it's still like she's emotionally overwhelmed and needs to leave. Yeah, it's so sad. And when they get in the car, there's this like moment where she's just kind of staring and Richard's like, Emily? And Emily says, she's right. I don't know my daughter at all. Oh, it's so thematically perfect. In an episode where there's so many parallels and like circular things happening, it closes that circle perfectly, except we're gonna have another scene where it really doubles back on it. It's just so good and it's so sad. Yeah. I don't know if Emily ever really realized that Lorelai had this sort of life. I think that she really did believe that she, you know, had a good read on Lorelai and that like, oh, I'm sure she's out doing other stuff. But like, she didn't really think about how Lorelai could have this full life and it could not involve her at all. Yeah. And, you know, we talked in the first episode about Richard and Emily kind of talking to Lorelai like she was a junkie or like, I'm not implying they actually thought that she was a junkie, but just sort of (laughs) being, being very dismissive and being like, oh, you just want money. 
it, I didn't think about it until just now, but like, they have no idea what her life is like. No idea. So for all they know, she lives in some crappy house with like weird neighbors and, you know, seeing the amount of warmth and love and how cozy the house is, even though it's not their style, you, right. you can't deny how cozy it is. It's cozy and everybody loves them. And it's the sort of love that was never like outwardly demonstratively shown in the Gilmore house. Yeah. Couldn't Emily have a relationship with a lot of love between them, but like the, the relationship between Lorelai and her parents never had that sort of valence, not even close. Yeah. She never could have imagined the richness of Lorelai's life outside of when they, you know, the few times a year they used to see her. Yeah. I, I want to talk about, I don't know if we should like skip to the Dean scene, but I do want to talk about Luke though. Oh yeah, right. I also want to really quickly mention that my favorite, favorite Richard part is when he has to go and Rory's like, did you enjoy the magazine? And after reading it clearly like cover to cover, he says, I did. And he stands and Rory says, well, and he stands up and like kind of shoves his shoulders and goes, I am an autumn. (laughs) Declares it. And it is the cutest thing. I, he took the quiz it's so cute that like he took what Rory gave him so seriously I love it it's adorable oh Edward Herman is the real MVP of this episode Richard is the real MVP he is like a man after an episode of great female dynamics but like it's hard not to it's also like he took it seriously but also he didn't like he was just having fun right he's having he has fun at this party yes yeah he even gets to inspect the uh fireplace which is such a dad thing to do. He's like, Lorelai, this fireplace is not structurally sound. Which yeah. like Richard is an insurance guy, like, yeah. Which, yeah. which will later be taken up when like Rory graduates Chilton and Luke and Jackson talk about, like they try, they go around and talk about like how, like the structure of the place and like how much it would cost to insure. And it's so funny. And then Richard talks about it with them. <laughs> but yeah, let's so talk funny. about the Luke thing briefly. Like, so do you want to explain like what goes on there? Well, they're out of ice. And Lorelai's like, well, Suki tells Lorelai that they're out of ice. And Lorelai's like, how could that be? Oh no, I've got to go get more ice. So she's leaving to go get ice as Luke walks in with two giant bags of ice. And I've just never really cared about that moment because what follows is Emily making a comment like there's there's chemistry between them. She thinks they're dating or seeing at least. And so I've always just thought of it as like, yeah, yeah, it's the moment where Emily sees and, and makes, you know, makes an assumption. I, there's so much chemistry. I've never really watched their faces. And he looks good. (laughs) He looks amazing. He looks at her. I mean, Emily's not wrong. No, they have to, and even tons of chemistry in that. And then even later when Lorelai, like when Emily confronts her about it, Lorelai's like very pleased about it. Like Emily says. You're pleased that the Iceman looked at you like a steak. Like a slaughterhouse steak. He says that you were about to give him a lap dance. That's what no, that, yeah. I don't know if I believe Emily would say that. No, I, that's, that's testing it a little bit. <laughs> yeah. It's a great line though. We only get snippets of Luke in these first couple episodes and this is a good snippet. Yeah, there is like palpable chemistry. There really is. Yeah, it's good. Speaking of a couple, there is not palpable chemistry between us. I was just about to say that. I think we both hit on it for a reason. 
so Dean has somehow figured out when to show up after the party has ended, which now that I'm thinking about it, he definitely was like sitting in the trees for a while waiting. Classic Dean move. So he comes out and gives Rory her bracelet. So he made her this bracelet. As we said, it's leather. He like drilled a strap in it. And Rory is delighted because to be fair, it's very cute to have the guy that you like makes like you enough to make something for you. That's adorable. It's very sweet. Very sweet. Again, I'm trying not to bring my hatred of later Dean into these early scenes. I appreciate that. I think that's very big of you. (laughs) (laughs) But the true twist, the M. Night Shyamalan. (laughs) It is M. Night Shyamalan like. It is. Lorelai's watching from the window and she's shocked so like a lesser episode as I said before would have ended after the first party a slightly lesser episode would have ended after Emily gets in the car this episode because Gilmore Girls is perfect ends with you're about you think all you know after the Emily stuff that Lorelai is right that like Emily doesn't know her at all which is true and that you know Lorelai sort of comes out on top But then that's undermined so interestingly because Lorelai realizes that she doesn't know Rory as well as she thought she did. And this will be like the main plot point of the next episode. Yeah, we carry this over and we'll talk a lot more about like secret keeping in the next episode too. And Lorelai trying to like basically do the same sort of like inappropriate thing Emily does. Yeah. This next episode, we'll definitely have to carry that over. Like she she pulls a quasi Emily in trying to get involved with Dean and inviting him to come to their house. Bad move, Lorelai. But they do watch Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, one of my favorite movies. And next episode is one of my favorites of all time. Yeah, there's some cringy moments, but I just, I think I, I love their movie night setup. So, so classic. Do you want to do segments? Let's do segments. So, fashion. So much good stuff. So much. Okay, so first, the big, the piece de resistance is the dresses that Lorelai makes. They're adorable. I want to mention also one of my favorite things about Gilmore Girls is that they reuse pieces and outfits all throughout the show. So the little adorable green, like transparent shrug that Rory is wearing in this episode with her birthday party outfit is something Lorelai wore, I believe in the golf episode, which is another like interesting parallel between those two episodes and who is the one wearing it? Who's the one feeling left out? Oh my God, that's amazing. I didn't, I didn't notice that. I just realized that in both, in both episodes. I don't know if that was intentional. Probably it was, but yay costuming. Love that they reuse stuff too. It feels so realistic and it feels so them. It wouldn't feel like Gilmore Girls if they wore different things every episode. No, and I love that you pointed out that they switch, you know, because I mean like moms and daughters do that. I I have things here in Virginia that belong to my mom that I just like took. Same, I have so much stuff. Yeah, and they're like the same size. It's, It's adorable. It's very realistic. Is there any other great fashion in this episode? Everybody looks good. Yeah, in the opening, like the cold open or whatever. Lorelai's got this like really quick, it's like almost it's like a very subtle cat eye with the frosted eyeshadow. I really think it's pretty. I love her shopping outfit with that, you know, the long sweater, like the duster. Yes, those are coming. I'm gonna make those come back. I like that's one of my favorite looks. I have one that just sits in my closet, so I'm ready. <laughs> You, if you bring it back, I'll be with you. Ruin it. We'll both bring it back. I just wanted to point out, I'm not going to like go on too long about this. I hate, hate the Mitzi look. I hate that like Chanel. I hate it. You said that they're trying to convince us it's coming back and it's not. I hate it. Yeah, like Lily Rose Depp and Margot Robbie and Kristen Stewart are all like repping Chanel. So I just thought it was fun to see some like 
really waspy bad fashion from Mitzi. Deliberately too, like she's supposed to look ridiculous. And I know like maybe my hatred of Chanel is a personal thing, but like, I just, yeah, it just looks so uptight. Yeah, it does. It looks, it ages her. Yeah. So does the hairdo. So you said before we filmed that you think that Mitzi could have a Kilmer Girl spinoff and I completely agree. Because she's so unself-aware, self-aware, like <laughs> this notion of like, I say inappropriate things and I'm trying to work on that. I feel like that's one step away from like, I kill people, I, but I'm trying to work on that. I would watch like a funny kind of dark comedy where she was like a Dexter-like, well, she was like a not bad murderer, but she like, she killed people, but like she was working on it. She's going to therapy. And she calls Lorelai the scandal girl. So I've decided that that would be either the name of her tell-all. Oh my God. Or if she had a show, like a Dexter type show, Oh, it the would be girl. the scandal that. girl. That would be really good. Pop culture references, we get a lot. We talked about a lot of them. Shirley Temple Black, Lorelai makes a Vulcan death grip reference, which I, I mean, like Star Trek references don't mean you're a Trek. They make a lot of references to Star Trek for people who are pretty judgy about Trekkies. Luke is later revealed to have been a Trekkie in high school and like Lorelai and Rory roast him about it. Yes. It's like, um, come on. I feel like Lorelai and Rory would watch some Star Trek. A line that I love is uh, Lorelai when she walks into the party that Emily's throwing. She says, Edith Wharton would be proud in taking notes. Oh, it's so good. The Barbara Hutton thing. I have to look up who Barbara Hutton is, but I feel like I know it from the, just what the reference is. Oh, poor little rich girl, Barbara Hutton. Yeah, she was like, she had the de debutante ball during the Great Depression. She was married and divorced seven times and exploited and died in bankruptcy. Yikes. Oh, sorry, Barbara. Sorry, Barbara. Well, at least you didn't have a really, really ugly uh, guitar purse. So you, <laughs> sorry, it was me. I think this episode is fantastic though. Yes. Well, do you want to rate it? Yeah, let's rate it. What would you want to give it? I'm giving it, I think a nine. I think I got to go with a 10. Wow, I love it for you. I think it's a nine for me. It's really good. It's so... It just, like we talked about at the beginning, it brings together all of the elements. You get Star's Hollow scenes. You don't get, well, no, you do get Chilton, but I was thinking more like the college fair. Yeah, you get a you hint get, of what's to come. You get the Gilmores. Like, it's just, it's just so perfect. I gotta give it a 10. Yeah, it's a nine for me. Amy Sherman Palladino, fantastic job. And we have another good one next week, too. We have a, a run of really good episodes. We do, we do. I'm very excited about the next week. All right, so everybody, thank you for listening so much. I had so much fun today. Eva will be back next week. And as always, thank you for supporting us. Remember Yay. to subscribe and to review us on iTunes. Thank Bye you. Bye, everyone. Bye.